This is the Portside Pod, the official podcast of the Stockton Ports. I'm your host and the voice of the Ports, Alex Jensen. And with opening day right around the corner, we visit with Melissa Lockhart of The Athletic to break down the Ports 2022 roster. Opening day is coming up on Friday for the Stockton Ports, and we have now a roster. So uh, to help us break it down, Melissa Lockhart of The Athletic, kind enough to take some time. And uh, Melissa, I know you've, you've spent quite a bit of time writing about uh, A's prospects and Giants prospects, I guess, but A's <laughs> prospects in the, in the, uh, during the offseason. Uh, and now we finally know where these guys are going. Uh, it's, it's an interesting time in the Oakland A's organization. Thank you again for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It, it is a very interesting time. I was uh, speaking with Jim Eppert this morning, uh, A's minor league hitting coordinator, and he was saying this was the most exciting group of prospects he's worked with in spring since he joined the organization before the 2016 season. So um, obviously at the big league level, things are transitioning in a way that's probably not as positive, but in the minor leagues, that that influx of talent that, that has come in, not only from those four trades, but last year's draft class, which they were very excited about as well uh, has really brought some new energy to the group because it, it was a rough year last year I think from uh, top down in terms of um, you know the, the amount of depth that was really stretched at every level and um, coming off the pandemic that you know you could just see a lot of holes in the system so they did quite a bit to try to address those holes with the trades and, and some good free agent signings in addition to the draft and uh, we'll see how it comes together. What was your, you know, before we get into, into our level here uh, in the Cal League, uh, which, by the way, thankfully yes, we I'm have so the, uh, <laughs> the league games back. I, it took me a while. I mean, even in my first year, Melissa, it took me a while to say low A West. It's, it uh, does not roll off the tongue. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, I'm thankful they, they reverted back to the, uh, to the old system. But what, what was your take on, on the trades? So, I mean, there's been four big ones that the A's have made. What, what's your take on what they were able to bring into their system? Yeah, the well, package. I think, yeah, I mean, first of all, you know, and, and you guys saw this last year with Stockton too, but, the, you know, the starting pitching depth was really, really thin. Um, and so they went in, they brought in, I think, 10 pitchers in the trades, uh, you know, or was it 10 or eight? I don't know, something like that. I think it was 10. Um, but in any case, you know, a good chunk of them are going to be in the minor leagues. Um, most of them are starters. It's going to not only create depth in the upper levels, which will help, um, you know, when they start to bring in new pitchers uh, for the rotation to replace some of the guys they've traded away, but it will also allow them to push some of the other guys back down. So they're not really, um, you know, forcing pitchers to pitch above the level that maybe they were ready at, which I think you saw a little bit last season. So yeah. um, uh, Gil Patterson, the A's minor league pitching coordinator said he was really excited about the starting rotations for all four of the full season affiliates that they're sending mm -hmm. out. Um, you know, they, they picked up essentially a couple of extra first round picks from last year's draft. And, you know, and interestingly, a lot of teams went and drafted almost all pitchers last year. It was sort of a, a kind of a running joke at one point. I think the angels went like 18 rounds before they picked a position player. The giants went, I think the first nine, um, but the A's were a lot more balanced. And I think they ended up getting some position players with some of the guys you're going to see on this roster with Stockton, um, that maybe other teams overlooked because they were really targeting the pitching, but because they didn't target the pitching early on, there were some arms that maybe they passed by um, and, you know, that they maybe would have tried to get had they gone with a different um, 
uh, approach or were taken right before they had the opportunity to select Max Muncy and with the 25th pick. So they ended up mm -hmm. with Ryan Kusick, who was taken 24th, um, and Gunnar Hogland, who will start the year on the injured list because he's rehabbing from Tommy John surgery, but another first round pick, uh, I think it was 21st um, overall. So, you know, essentially three first round picks from last year's draft um, in their system now. And then JT Ginn, who came over in the Mets trade, another first round, or well, a second round pick who was given a first round bonus in the 2020 draft. Um, so that's a lot of high level arms to add in, uh, in addition to some of the more polished guys that they took that are, are kind of knocking on the big league doorstep. So um, pitching has sort of been the bread and butter of the A's organization in general. Um, and for them to have been as thin as they were last year, I think was a very uncomfortable situation. So, you know, hopefully this gets them back, you know, on better footing that way. What's your read? You mentioned the 2021 draft and, and you know, how the organization seems pretty pleased with it, uh, maybe more so than in past years. What, what's your read on, you know, what the front office likes about the, the package of players that the A's took in the 2021 draft? You know, we saw a couple of them last year in Stockton with Zach Geloff, who sounds like he's going to be starting the year in double A yeah. and CJ Rodriguez. Um, but you know, we're going to see quite a bit of 2021 arms to start the year this season in the Cal League. So what about that 2021 class? Did you get a read from the front office? Like, hey, we we really like this about this class. What what about the class are they like? Yeah, I think they got a lot of really dynamic athletes. Um, I think you saw that with Geloff last year. I think you see that with the way that CJ Rodriguez receives the ball behind the plate. Mm -hmm. um, Max Muncy, who obviously going to get a lot of good looks at, um, is an, an outstanding athlete. Uh, polished defensively, I think you see that a, a lot. Um, the Lansing infield is going to be filled with a lot of 2021. Yeah. On, um, uh, draft picks and almost all of them were like defensive players of the year or you know um, uh, gold glove winners in um, college baseball so there's a lot of polish there defensively and then offensively they, they kind of have the makings of good approaches um, and I think th there's a lot just to work with and I think they've found so far that this group is very competitive um, very coachable and uh, really committed to what they are wanting to do um, I don't know that that's a knock necessarily on previous draft classes and obviously I think for the 2019 and 2020 classes it, there's a lot of unfairness in terms of what they've had to deal with uh, yeah. you know with the pandemic and everything else but um, but I do think that you know for it only being a 20 round draft which is still very strange compared to the 40 rounds we used to have before I think they felt like they came out of it with a really nice balance of um, you know some polished arms that they think they can develop and some really high um, ceiling position players that can give them you know a lot of dy dynamic um, athleticism into the organization as of right now we're recording this on Monday night but the Stockton Ports roster has not been officially released we each have a copy uh, so tell me what your first reaction is when when you look at this group of players first thing you think. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive, um, you know, from a day in day out basis than it was last year. I think, you know, last year uh, they had a group of international players that they really needed to get out to full season ball. Um, a lot of them were really young. They were um, talented, but very raw. And so you saw flashes of excellence, but you also saw a lot of kind of inexperience that, you know, maybe would have been more appropriate for, um, you know, like a short season level, um, mm -hmm. but they were having to play up in low A and obviously like 
Tyler Soderstrom and, and Lawrence Butler and, and Brian Bloodless were exceptions, but there was a lot of, you know, that sort of inexperience. I think you'll see a lot less of that this year. The pitching staff's very polished. Um, I think their starters will give you a lot more innings than you had uh, last year. And then, uh, you know, offensively, you've got some returning players that I think will be better for having had that season where they struggled um, and had to kind of, you know, learn to play up and then some new young talent coming in that I think is going to um, comes in with just a little bit more polish maybe than last year's group did. You alluded to, to Max Muncy, and he, of course, is kind of the headliner of uh, this group. There are several, um, but, you know, he's the one that pops off the page, right? First round pick last season, high school kid. We saw Tyler Soderstrom, you know, come to the Cal League and have success a year ago before an injury, uh, you know, cut his season short. What's kind of the feel that you get from the organization of Max Muncy's readiness to play at this level? Yeah, I think they're really excited. You know, he he came in last year, um, only got to play a handful of games in the Arizona Complex League, but uh, was, you know, sort of showed a lot of talent, showed a lot of defensive prowess, um, was a little bit undisciplined in terms of his approach at the plate and was trying to pull the ball a lot. So they sat him down and kind of said, listen, you know, you've got some power in you now you'll have more power as you get older, but let's focus on approach. Let's focus on being a better hitter, going to right field, going up to the middle. Um, and he went home and worked on it. He came into camp in, in great shape. I think he's added some really good weight since last year. Um, and uh, his approach was really improved. And, um, you know, Jim uh, Eppert was, was raving about him, you know, said it was a really, really good looking prospect was, was I think the direct quote. Um, and so, you know, I think uh, he's somebody who, He's going to be steady, but also somewhat spectacular at shortstop. You know, he's he's going to make the routine play, but he's also going to wow you with the arm strength and, and the range a, a little bit. And then offensively, um, he'll run into a few, I think, and, and hit a few home runs. But I think the the focus will be for him to hit for average and try to get on base and, and use his speed a little bit this year. So for you know, for from the organization's perspective, I guess the thing you want to watch for for Max Muncy isn't necessarily balls leaving the yard. It's you know, him being able to use the middle of the diamond and the other side of the field, right? And really kind of take controlled swings, I guess, for the most part, unless you're, you know, of course, if, if he gets a cookie, right. I'm sure they want him to, to, to do what he can with it. But it sounds like that's, I mean, based on what you're saying, that's the best way to judge him from the organizational standpoint. Yeah, and I think um, pitch recognition in general, I think, is the thing they, they want all, all these guys to really be focusing on, like, not just that you can make contact with a pitch, but what's the pitch best to swing at so that you can make good contact. And so I think that's something that um, they're really trying to drive home with him. Denzel Clark, another one uh, outfielder. Yep. I mean, they rave, you know, this guy has got all the talent in the world, um, but he wasn't a baseball player from the moment that he, uh, you know, put on a, a uniform. He did a lot of different other sports when he was growing up, um, comes from a family of outstanding athletes, but um, so there's a little more rawness for a college player than you would normally see, but you know, he's been, 
been shown to be pretty coachable already and mm-hmm. um, is a guy that when it does come together for him, you know, they're, they're, they were comparing him a lot to Lawrence Butler. You know, the, the arms mm-hmm. and the legs are a little bit long and it takes a little while to learn to control him. But when it does come together, you've got that sort of dynamic player who can hit for power, can get on base, uh, hit for average and do some things in the outfield that are pretty special too. He fills out a uniform. <laughs> I'll tell you that. I mean, I got a chance to see him today, Melissa. That, that guy fills out a uniform. And like you said, I mean, based on everything I've read, I mean, he's got great bloodlines. I know, you know, he his, his mom was in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. He's got a cousin that was in the Olympics. He's got another cousin that played in the Grey Cup in the CFL. He's uh, related to the Nailers. So, you know. That's right. He's related yeah. to the Nailers with the uh, Cleveland organization. Uh, but I mean, again, athleticism is, is kind of the theme there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and he, he didn't get a chance to play in college as much as he would have because of the pandemic. And so some of that catching sure. up is just a little bit of that missed season. But, um, you know, he, he may not be here all year because he mm-hmm. if he does come together for him, I think he can move, you know, fairly quickly. What have you heard about Pedro Pineda? Yeah, I mean, they were really pleasantly surprised with how he was able to handle the complex league last year, you you know, very young, um, still growing physically into his body, but um, had a little more hit tool than maybe some of the guys they brought over at that age um, in in the recent past. Uh, Love the speed. Uh, I think the power won't be there for a while for him just because he's so young, but um, you know, they've liked the adjustments he's already made in spring training. And I think what they're, you know, hoping because you've got a, you know, a pretty good group outfielders that are all very talented and have more experience um, they won't have to throw him out there to take a beating every single night like I think they can give him a couple of games and then give him a game or two to absorb the information that he you know got from those two outings and then come back again so you know hopefully it won't be as, as, as bad as it was in terms of Robert Poisson sort of being overwhelmed with like having to play every day and, you know, having to go through the struggles and not having the time off, like, you know, he'll, he'll have some breathers in between, but they really like him. They he's a great kid. Um, and, uh, you know, really has shown a lot of progress, even in the very short time he's been with the organization. Yeah. I saw in a piece that you wrote earlier this off season, um, about how, you know, the organization, as it concerns Robert Poisson, they were pleased with his progress in, in terms of, uh, you know, absorbing information and, you know, may, I guess making adjustments on the fly. And, and, you know, since you brought him up, what can, what should we expect from Robert Poisson last year? I think it's probably unfair to judge him on, on last season, because as you mentioned, he was the youngest player in the league. Uh, he, it was his first year in full season ball, you know, maybe not quite ready for that level, but kind of had to play there because like you, like you said, you know, you, you the organization wants to get those younger international guys out to full season ball. I guess what's fair to expect of that of, of Robert Poisson this year? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, his, his hitting looked better from both sides of the plate in the spring. Um, I think he's starting to kind of hear the coaching that they're saying to him that, you know, the way that he maybe thought he could make it work based on just his time and showcases and all things like that. in the Dominican um, wasn't going to translate over uh, to, you know, professional baseball and mm-hmm. the types of different pitches that he's going to see. Um, so, you know, it's incremental change. I don't think it's like he came in and everyone's like, Oh, it's all fixed and we're good. And he's going to take off and running, but 
they've seen good change. And I think, again, you know, he's still, I think the second youngest player on this roster. Um, he's very young and he's going to, it's going to take a, a little bit of time. Um, and he's a switch hitter. So he's trying to absorb information yeah. on two sides of the plate, which I think right. is, is certainly not easy, but the talent is there. I think even last year, in the, you know, um, stretches of struggle, you would see flashes of brilliance. And so as those flashes of brilliance become more consistent, um, you know, you'll start to see some, but I also think, you know, like with Pedro Pineda, they're not going to have to play Robert every day. You know, he's going to have time to um, work on things in between starts um, a little bit more than he was able to last year. Cause I think, you know, Max Muncy might be in a better position to take on everyday roles. And there's other guys like Jalen Greer, they're going to want to take a look at in the middle infield. So um, I think he'll get more time to learn uh, gradually this year, as opposed to just sort of jumping in off into the deep end as he did a little bit last year. Yeah. And that's, that is an important thing to keep in mind, right? Is the fact that, I mean, he's not going to be 20 years old until after the regular season's right. over. He is still very, very young. In fact, he's a couple weeks younger than even than Max Muncy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you look at like, you know, I mean, some of the other teams that, that, that the ports faced last year, like San Jose, like, you know, a lot of those international players that they brought over were a good year and a half years sure. older than he was. So, yeah. um, you know, that, that is a difference. Um, and so comparing them, I know it's easy to do that, but to try to compare him to the progress of some of those guys is, is maybe a, a little bit unfair, but um, it's going to take some work. But I think if, you know, if, if he's willing to hear the coaching, the talent is definitely there for him to be a, a very good player. What have you heard about Jalen Greer? I mean, he was a fifth round pick in 2019. Uh, another guy who, as you may, you know, the, the pandemic has, I'm sure, really affected his development, but full first time on an opening day roster for, for full season ball. What I heard today, maybe more of a second or third baseman, you can play a little bit of everywhere, but what have you heard about him? Yeah, I mean, really good athlete. You know, he, he came from Chicago area, um, so, you know, he was already coming into pro, pro ball without as many reps as some of the guys that play in, like, you know, Southern California or Arizona or Florida where they're able to play year-round. Um, but uh, a guy that, um, you know, coaches really loved. Um, I know that the scout that – I can't remember now who, who the scout was, but the scout that had, um, you know, kind of selected him just, you know, was – he was like his secret special pick, you know, like he was the guy that he watched <laughs> and he had heard a ton about and really was excited to see, um, you know, good athlete. I did tried him out in center field too. So I think he may get a little time there as well. Um, and he was starting to build a better approach. It looked like from, you know, the, the, the numbers in the ACL last year. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, I think what 20 or not even 20 yet. He'll be, or, no, yeah, 20. He'll, he'll turn 21 in midway through the summer. So right. still very young. Um, and if we still had a short season, that's probably where he would have been last year. So it isn't like, I think he's, you know, kind of behind. I think this is probably where he would have fallen into a full season debut um, anyway. So um, just with fewer bats than, you know, he would have had if the pandemic hadn't happened. So um yeah, I think, I think it's going to be interesting to see how, how he does, but um, you know, he, I would, yeah, I wouldn't see him as, as shortstop so much as more like second base or, or uh, center field. Chase Chevrolet knows the importance of teamwork from sales and service to parts and repairs. Chase Chevrolet works with you. So your vehicle works for you perfectly with their easy pass. You can reserve and order the vehicle you want, how you want it. Now that is what it means to work together. Find new roads with Chase Chevrolet. Buy into it. 
some of these returning names are interesting to me, Melissa. And I don't think there's one that's more interesting than Junior Perez. Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I felt like a year ago, all the tools were on display at, at different times. You could see the speed. You could see the power. You could see the arm. Uh, another guy like, you know, I mean, another guy that spent, mo you know, half of last year as a 19-year-old uh, won't be 21 until the 4th of July. He was traded for a guy, that, a big leaguer. Uh, you know, what have you heard about where he stands right now? Yeah, you know, I think um, there's a little bit of a crunch um, in, at the outfield uh, depth chart that I think maybe pushed him down um, back to Stockton. I think, um, you know, you've got Lazarito and um, Austin back back in Lansing again, uh, you know, with so those guys being there, plus Lawrence Butler and then a couple of the guys from the 2021 20, draft, there just wasn't going to be a lot of at bats for Perez and Lansing. Um, so I think if there is any movement on, from the outfield perspective, I think, you know, he is probably one of the first ones, if not the first one that would probably start to move up because I think he did show flashes of what he could be um, no last season. You know, I think yeah. um, there was a little more consistency than some of the other guys. Um, you, you know, it wasn't like it, he was completely flailing up there. I think he, he kind of uh, looked like he knew what he was doing and, um, and he works really hard. You know, I think he, he, he puts a lot of time into it too. So I think it'll click for him at some point, you know, that, that, that talent can't just you know, without it, without work ethic and that talent, there's going to be a point where it really comes together. So, you know, maybe he gets a chance to come back to this league dominate and start to feel what that feels like because he's really been up against older competition his whole career and hasn't had a chance to really dominate mm -hmm. anything yet and then you know as things start to loosen up a little bit depth chart wise above him and get a chance to move up could he be a guy i mean you know considering the fact that he's been facing older competition his whole career could he be a guy that that you know, there's any of these guys that are primed for a Lawrence Butler type of breakout. Maybe he's one of those names to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I you know, I think that's that's the other thing, too, is that, you know, the A's didn't traditionally push guys aggressively, um, but the last few years they really have. So I think you have a lot of guys that um, yeah. maybe the numbers sort of masked what the talent really is because they were kind of being pushed into maybe uncomfortable situations so they could learn things. Um in real time, as opposed to, you know, more theoretically, because they were doing so well and, and they couldn't be stopped. So, um, yeah, I, I could see him being somebody I could see TJ Schofield, Sam, who I think, you know, really had a, a quietly a nice season for Stockton yeah. last year. Um, and maybe instead of quietly having a nice season, he has a huge season and people really start to notice what kind of a, a, a nice all around player he really is. Um, and so, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things that sometimes, um, you know, we're always in a hurry to kind of get these guys moving all the way up, but like sure. th the upper levels can go pretty quickly. You know, it's, it's that what they learn in the lower levels that gives them that base to get up there. So if they need a couple of times in, you know, low a, it doesn't mean that they can't, you know, get through double a and triple a quicker if they've really got it going at that point. So, um, you know, I, I think it, sometimes having success is actually the best learning tool of all. And so maybe giving those guys the opportunity to do that, um, you know, will help them in the long run. I'm, I'm glad you brought up TJ because he's kind of on that same, you know, level as, as junior to me in terms of a guy that could be a breakout. You're right. He had a good season last year, uh, turned 20 right in the middle of the summer, you know, in, in June. But Rico Bronia told me, big league swing. Kevin Kuzminov today told me he's got a big league swing. Uh, so, you know, that's another guy maybe if you're looking for someone that's under the radar, right, in, in this system, at least in the lower levels. 
maybe TJ Schofield Sam is 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 a guy to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, and you look at third base, right? Um, yeah, that suddenly is a position of depth in in the organization. You know, you've got Geloff's going to get all those innings um, up in Midland, and he's got uh, Jeremy Ironman up there with him, and he's got Jonah Bride who's moving all over the place, but is still going to get time at third base there. And um, you know, and then you you take a, a step down and you look at Lansing, and you've got you know three guys on that roster who can play uh, third base and and did really you know well in college playing there. So I think that's probably more why TJ just being younger than all yeah. of those guys comes back. Um, but yeah, I mean, he can defend pretty well too. He's got a great idea of what he wants to do with the plate. Um, I think the power will come as he gets a little bit bigger um, and, and, and more physical. So, um, you know, I think he's, he's definitely one of the more underrated prospects in the system. This feels like an interesting catching group too, just in terms of kind of skill sets, um, you know, matching with each other, I guess, or kind of complementing each other. You know, C.J. Rodriguez seems like, you know, he's got the reputation for defense. You know, Shane McGuire was drafted on the on the strength of his bat in the top 10 rounds, it sounds like. You know, Cooper Yule um, is kind of that old, uh, an older guy who's savvy and kind of knows how to call a game, as, as does C.J., I suppose. But what's what what stands out to you about the the trio of catchers and stuff yeah i think you're absolutely right and um there's like two Co- coopers now right because cooper goldby joined on as a as the assistant right. hitting coach yeah. and i think there's probably a lot of similarities between the two the two coopers um and and, and the kind of uh players they are i think cooper yule brings a lot of um that coachability you know the extra coach on this on the roster sort of thing no to doubt. him as well but um yeah cj rodriguez you know he's young for a college uh junior he was he came out um I don't remember if he was a draft eligible sophomore or a junior, but he was one of the younger college players that was taken. Um, you know, the bat needs work, but uh, defensively, he's really, really smooth back there. Great athlete, really strong arm. Um, yeah. And Shane McGuire, I mean, I, I, you know, he may not get all the reps just a catcher. They may try to move him around a little bit to see where that bat fits in because, um, you know, I think he's someone that, uh, you know, offensively could really bring some pop to him. And, you know, if the, if the glove's going to slow him down, it may not make sense to, to, to spend a lot of time back there, but, um, you know, there, um, there is a nice mix there. Um, and I think CJ getting that opportunity to see a little bit of the league last year will help him, um, as he takes over there. And I think, you know, had Tyler not been Tyler Satterson, not been in Lansing they probably would have pushed CJ up to Lansing just based on his defensive prowess but I think they want both to be getting everyday reps as a catcher so it made sense to have them on different rosters we touched on the I love this whole roster Melissa I mean there's so many kind of like avenues we could go down because it's such an interesting group of players uh and you know that better than anybody having covered the system um for for quite some time now but the pitching staff (laughs) so many uh, 2021 college arms. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different look from the 2021 Stockton ports, which, you know, had a mix of college guys, but by the end of the year, those guys had moved up to, you know, high A or Jack Cushing's case and, and Garrett Acton's case all the way up to double A. But if you go back to the end of 2021, it's a, I mean, this, this pitching staff is a total juxtaposition from the end of 2021 to now the beginning of 2022 uh, but a lot of good college arms in here and a, a big chunk of them come from that 2021 draft class. Yeah. You know, so I, as I mentioned, like, you know, the, the strength of the, the draft class was thought to be very much pitching just overall. Um, mm-hmm. and the A's didn't necessarily dive in 
to the pitching that early. They did take Mason Miller in the third round um, and he's going to start back in extended spring. He's got a, a little injury he's working through, but you know, he's throwing hundred miles per hour when he's healthy. So he'll, he'll be, um, you know, a nice addition to somebody's uh, a ball staff when he's healthy, but, um, but they did, you know, that second half of the 20 rounds, they really did get a lot of arms and, and, you know, from schools necessarily that weren't necessarily as high profile programs, but these were guys that had, you know, at least two workable pitches already and a third one that was in the making, you know, big uh, frames that can handle a lot of innings. Um, these tended to draft more for um, what they were getting as results and less for kind of height and build. And um, in the past, I think you see now um, there's a little bit more of a focus on bigger guys uh, on the mound, which maybe will yeah. allow for a little more durability. Um so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a really interesting group. Um, a lot of guys that, uh, again, if they hadn't added all of these pitchers and these trades might have started in Lansing. So I think yeah. you're looking at talent that could be high A level um, starting off in low A. So I, it's, it's more akin to the low A um, Midwest League pitching staffs that the A's traditionally used to roll out uh, a few years ago if people you know followed the system for a while and remember those those pitching um, staffs that were very successful and, and usually you know gave them a lot of innings um, and you know you, again as you you'll, as you see success they may start to to move up as the season goes on yeah, a couple of good stories in here too and, and you pointed out uh, Skyler is it, it's Sazinski right mm-hmm. um, Skyler Sazinski who is a fourth round pick in 2016, just now making it out of Arizona, but it's a pretty good story. Yeah. I mean, you know, talk about somebody with a kind of fortitude, right? So he, he injured his elbow his second spring. Um, they tried a PRP injection, I think, or one of those modified UCL surgeries. It didn't take. So he ended up after a full year of rehab needing a full Tommy John surgery. So that was like two and a half years of just hmm. rehabbing essentially. Uh, then the pandemic hits. And then last year, he finally gets back out there into the ACL. It was uh, up and down, uh, I would say, from a performance perspective, but that he was pitching at all was pretty exciting. And so for him to finally get an opportunity to be in the full season roster, um, you know, at the age of 24, after everything that he's been through, I, I, I just... I think it's just really cool. Like, you know, like regardless of how it goes um, to, to, to stick with it like that and get to this point, I think you have to admire him a lot for doing that. Tyler Baum is another guy uh, who's looking for a bounce back here. And he was at one point, like a top 15 prospect, right? After being a second round pick out of North Carolina in 2019, I think he was at the alt site, correct? Uh, yes. But- yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's guy in North Carolina. So, you know, came from a big college program. Um, somebody they had uh, thought about drafting out of high school in Florida, uh, Orlando. Um, you know, I, I think the injuries last year. So the results you saw in the complex league, I don't think were indicative of his talent. Um, hadn't heard a whole lot necessarily about how things were going with him this spring. So I'm going to be interested to see how the stuff looks when he gets out there, but you know, when he's healthy, he's got um, a very lively fastball. He's got a, a breaking ball um, that's, that's really usable. He's got big time experience pitching in a, you know, big conference ACC Um, so, you know, he's somebody who, I I don't know that he'll start in the rotation, but he may slide in there or piggyback in there and then could end up being, you know, one of the bigger names on this roster. What have we heard in, uh, you know, this one kind of like, you know, I mean, it was almost like a news dump type of deal when the A's announced they had signed Chen Zhengao Zhuang out of, uh, out of Taipei. 
And I did my homework there, Melissa. I know exactly I was, I'm how really to pronounce that. Yes, <laughs> my guy Rambo, who's uh, who's Chen's uh, interpreter in in in, Steyer in the in the system this year. What have you heard about this guy? It sounds like perhaps maybe a diamond in the rough. I mean, it sounds like he's got some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, he he really jumped out um, in these uh, international tournaments that he was in. Um, he also, I, I think the story was that he had flown himself out to, I don't know if it was in Mexico or somewhere in the Southwest um, in the United States, but basically through on his own dime flew out for a showcase to try to get teams to take a look at him. So I think there was, um, they were impressed with the motivation, you know, and, and, and uh, he kept, comes with a deep pitch mix already. He was up to 95. So it's not like he's a, a soft tosser. Um, and he was electric. It sounded like in, um, in camp, I, he was part of that mini camp. So he had been, you know, in spring training for a couple of weeks when the big league camp, uh, started up and Gil Patterson was telling me that is one of his, uh, first appearances against big leaguers in like an inter squad game. He struck out eight of the first nine that he faced. Um, wow. so yeah. And, and I think, uh, really opened a lot of eyes. So I don't know that maybe the plan had been to send him out to full season, in his first year in the organization. But, you know, I think everything he showed in spring uh, made them think that he could handle it. And uh, yeah, it's going to be really fun to see what, what he can do because those videos of him in those uh, under 23 tournaments were really impressive. Really? And apparently he's been up to 95, 96, or at least before he signed, he was. So it's, he's going to be an interesting one to watch. And it sounds like he's going to be a starter uh, yeah. for this club. So he's, he's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, yeah. Gil said he was holding 92, 93 and touching 95 in spring. So, I mean, you know, that's spring training. You can always see a little bump up usually during the season. Uh, 2022 also brings a brand new coaching staff in Stockton. Uh, Franklin Font, the man. I know Anthony Phillips was was slated to be the manager. Uh, it sounds like he actually uh, had a, a, a new baby, right? Uh, so he's yeah. going to be in Arizona with his family. Congratulations to Anthony Phillips. Uh, but Franklin Font, Brian Corey is the pitching coach. And uh, a, a name that a lot of A's fans are going to recognize, Kevin Kuzminoff, uh, as the hitting coach in Stockton. With and you mentioned Cooper Goldby as the assistant hitting coach. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I got a chance to meet Franklin today. I know, uh, you know, Kuz. It seems like has kind of been a rising star uh, in in the A's organization for a little a little while, right? If I if I understand that correct, in terms of of, uh, of coaching. Yeah, he was um, Bobby Crosby's hitting coach in Midland, you know, last year. I think they really, you know, liked the work that he's done there. He was in Arizona, I think, the year, well, before the pandemic, the, the year before that. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's got a really good personality. I think the, the players really um, take to him. Obviously, he's got that big league experience that, can, you know, that he can share, you know, with all of them as well. And I think um, – he brings a sort of gravitas that you get from somebody who, you know, was out there for so many years and had success at the major league level. Um, and so uh, yeah, I think it's a great staff. Brian Corey is also an outstanding pitching coach. Um, and uh, Ed Sprague was raving about Franklin Juan even before he, mm. they knew he was going to be the manager. They were pointing, you know, when he was the assistant hitting coach that he was going to be a great addition. I think, you know, he's, fluent Spanish. He can, I think that will, will be helpful for the players that are coming over that, that speak Spanish as their first language. I think he has international managing experience in France, uh, which is kind of cool. Correct. And, and, um, and, and it's interesting because Anthony Phillips, who was supposed to be there was the South African skipper, I think for a while, or, or played over, played on the South African world, uh, baseball classic team. So, um, a lot of international experiences is kind of neat, but, um, I, I think it, I think it'll be a good group and it's always fun to see players transition to coaching. So I think we've, Cooper, it'll be uh, a, a fun one as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, I think 
as much as the, the players can be uh, prospects, you got coaches that can be prospects too. And it's a nice group. Yeah. I mean, in terms of demeanor, it, it kind of seems like, the, you know, with, with a younger group and in, in, you know, the first full season level, I mean, what, what kind of personality do you think clubs target for, for this level in terms of, you know, being the captain of the ship? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think patience, you know, I think um, setting expectations that are um, reasonable and also, you know, looking for coaches and managers that can help them players establish routines. Cause that's the number one thing that younger players have difficulty is kind of understanding their routines, understanding what work needs to be done before a game in order to have success in the game. Um, even keel, you know, all those kinds of things are, are really important at this level. And I, you know, I think every once in a while you would see, I mean, obviously it's, it's low A and not high A, but every once in a while you would see a California league team that was skippered by somebody who was really in it for the wins and losses. And, it, you know, that's, that's probably not, not the approach that that level can necessarily is, is, um, can take, I mean, you want to win. I think, you know, being competitive is important, but the, the learning is the most important thing. Um, protecting your players as well. Um, understanding when they're getting a little beat up and, and being able to pull them back. Um, I thought Rico Bronia did a nice job with that last year uh, with the roster when the players were dragging a little bit, um, finding other players to come in and, and play. So um, it, I think it's a, a more of a touchy feely sort of coaching approach than maybe in the upper levels when these guys sort of have their routines already and know what it takes to get through a full season. Well, I can't wait to see how it unfolds. I mean, it all starts on Friday, Ports and Fresno against the Grizzlies. Uh, Melissa Lockard, thank you so much. It's uh, It's been a blast having you. I love talking about this stuff with you. And I can't wait to see you out in Stockton this season. Yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait for the season to start. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Portside Pod. The Portside Pod is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and other platforms. You can also visit the Ports website at StocktonPorts.com and follow the Ports on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Until next time, I'm Alex Jensen, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Portside Pod.